here we are with another moment hanging out with Dr. Doug. And I wanted to share what's been happening for me just by using some of what Dr. Doug has shared with me and really like bringing it into my own way about how is how am I meant to eat? How what are the things that I'm meant to do and how can I use raw foods to actually get the most benefit? So in March, I started doing 80% raw foods and just gradually taking things out. So by now, which is like June, so maybe four or five months later, I was able to do an ocean swim and I don't practice ocean swimming. And I was able to get second in my age group and like the 10th female. And I was like, huh, like what has been happening in these races that I'm doing differently? And that's I'm actually just eating like six bananas. And if I want some other fruit, you know, but really having the energy and noticing like the digestion, like maybe we don't need to eat as much. And so today I wanted to bring him on to talk about why fasting, you know, in, in that way, what raw foods and fasting and how they correlate and, and what they're doing scientifically in the body and what's, you know, continuing in my path about how stronger and faster I'm becoming by using these resources. Cool. Thank you very much, Sarah. It's a treat. It's always, it's just a treat to be, spend some time with you. Um, I'm very, very proud of not your accomplishments. Like that's, you're proud of your accomplishments. I, I'm proud that you were willing to take on the challenge to better yourself. Like, you're very mature as a, as an athlete, you're very responsible and it's, and it's nice to see that for me, uh, I, I commit to people and I say, look, you know, I'll give you a hundred percent, but give me a hundred percent back. And, and I've never known you not to do that. You always give your all. And that's really, that's really quite fantastic and, and a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you for having me on the on the broadcast and and it's it's fun to hear that that it's not just for everybody else that that at least hopefully some of what I'm going to talk about will rub off on you. You'll take it personally. You're willing to take it on board and experiment. Um, it's a it's an interesting. You know, every athlete's got their own, their own um, pressures, if you will. Uh, you have a schedule, you've got nationals, you've got Olympics, you've got things. And, and, and other, others have tournaments or a, a reg, you know, a long competitive season or whatever it might be. And we have to work within those confines a little bit. And it's usually one of the very first things that I ask an athlete when they start um, inquiring about working with me is I need to know your upcoming competition schedule for at least the next year to 18 months before I start recommending that we implement any changes because could be the right time it could be the perfect time but it could be the wrong time and and in that case we don't want to we don't want to risk 
what you've been building for the last 12 or 18 months. So today's topic, as you say, is about primarily about fasting and why I think every single athlete and every single active person, each individual, not single, like not married, but each individual <laughs> person who wishes to do better in activity, the sport of their choice, if you will, uh, really would benefit from fasting. And I'm going to have to define what fasting is and how we utilize it and what I'm talking about, and then tie that in a little bit with the use of a raw food diet, because I'm 100% convinced that every athlete should be on a raw food diet. There's no exceptions there. And hopefully I made that clear last time around, but I'm going to reiterate that yeah. every athlete should be on a raw food diet. It's it's optimum performance. It's optimum in all five aspects of fitness from muscular strength, muscular endurance, cardio, flexibility, and neurologic skills, most of all. And it allows for the maximum longevity of the career like the longevity of your youthfulness being able to participate uh having the fun to participate in sport you know when you're doing great it is fun so without reiterating that whole that whole conversation about the negatives of cooked foods we won't go there instead we'll just kind of remind people that everybody knows already that fruits and vegetables are good for you. That in fact, fruits and vegetables are the most nutritious foods. And it doesn't mean they have the most of this, that, or the next nutrient. That's not what most nutritious means. Most nutritious means best fit. So if you're trying on a wetsuit, you don't want one that's too big and you don't want one that's too small. You want one that's just right. It's like Goldilocks nutrition. We don't want the maximum vitamin A available. That would kill you. And we don't want the minimum because, in fact, that would kill you too. We want to have just the right amount of every nutrient known. And, and that is found in fruit and vegetables. Anything else other than whole, fresh, ripe, raw, organic fruits and vegetables has to, by definition, therefore, fall into second or, if you prefer, third place at best or worse. <laughs> and you have to ask yourself pretty, uh, pretty aggressively as an athlete, why would I give myself third, fourth, fifth place, fifth degree food? Like, why would I want to nourish myself with something that might maybe only bring me up to fifth place. Like that's mm. not, that's really not what I'm looking for in sport. It's not what I'm looking to do for athletes. I'm looking to show them how they can be their best. And that's, that's going to require some seriously good nutrition. Uh, today, I want to talk fast. So I'll talk really fast as if I was from New York. It's really not a problem. Okay. So no, it's, mm -hmm. I want to talk about fasting, and, and it's interesting to me because I've been talking about fasting in athletes for 43 years, and 
up until fairly recently, not a whole lot of people listened. I have fasted athletes 25 and 30 years ago. There have been the rare individual few, one or two or three or four every year. Um, and, and from almost every sport. But at some point a few years ago, the idea of the concept of fast started taking hold just a little more. What do they call that? Got traction. And it got traction through a, through a concept called juice fast. Now, if we take a moment of history and go back to the word where did the word fast come from? Like many words, the word fast came from a nautical background. Because when you tie one thing to another, the verb was called to make fast. Uh, or what eventually became in our modern English, to fasten. So you fasten one thing to another. And that's what fast was, where this word came from. So you make fast, right? You tie you tie the boat to the dock. You make it fast. And, and essentially what that meant was that you could go into town, come back, and your boat would still be there, which is kind of you know, important. It didn't just float away. So essentially what it did was you tied it there. And then like, like we see when you tie up a horse or a dog or a person or whatever, we tie up a package. It keeps doing what it's doing, which is waiting for you to come back. And that's where this concept of fast started. Well, eventually the word took on some other meanings and it's, and people started to use it to mean doing without. So the idea of, of fasting, when we think of it in biblical terms, uh, there's, there's references, there's many references to fasting in the Bible. Um, but the kind of fast they're talking about, was where you would do one thing and then you would keep doing it, whatever that one thing was. Somehow people took this and carried it through to the idea that they called juice fast, which is a an odd twist on the term because they're not doing without juice. Juice is the only thing they're having. <laughs> so it's really not a juice fast. It's a juice only fast. Um, it's a, it right? Like it's, anyway, it's just sort of funny. And, but when we, but when we go back in history to various world leaders that have fasted, spiritual leaders, religious leaders, um, Political leaders, when we look at the various people in the over the centuries that have fasted, 
they did so for for specific reasons. They did so for uh, clarity. They did that. They did so for purity of mind. They did so uh, to regroup, and so they could then come back out and deal with the stresses of being a leader. Uh, and it's and it's fascinating how the when the mainstream caught this idea of juice fast, that none of that carried through. Now it's just drink juices and get on with your normal day. Which kind of defeats the purpose. Because the purpose was, as we said, to regroup, to, to recover from the tempo of life and the, and the pace of, of constantly being on the go to um, energize yourself. And it's interesting, I find it's interesting, people started doing juice fasts and they said, well, I feel so much energy, I feel so much better, it must be the juices, which is not the case at all. When people go on juices, they juice specific foods. We know what they're juicing, right? They're juicing fruits and vegetables. They're not juicing toast. They're not juicing cheeseburgers. They're not juicing Cheerios. Um, you know, they're juicing fruits and vegetables. And they're having juice to the exclusion of everything else, all of those other things that weren't particularly health builders in the first place. I'm not coming out against juice, but there is a problem with juice, and that is that it's lost all of its fiber. And fiber, fiber helps to regulate nutrient uptake. Without fiber, nutrient uptake take several shifts in different direction, um, none of them are better than nutrient with fiber. So I find it kind of, most people do a juice fast as some kind of a health kick, but then they take out the fiber, which, you know, you can look at almost any breakfast cereal commercial and tell you with added fiber, as, because we know fiber is good for us. And most doctors are telling people to eat more fiber. So it's sort of funny. Oh, now they're on this juice fast. They're not getting any fiber. They're thumbing their nose at the idea that fiber is really good for us. Meanwhile, nutrition was whole foods are really the best eat more whole foods just as is just the way you find them and now we're taking whole foods and refining out all the fiber and thinking that that's even better than whole foods and it's not better than whole foods so i think the people got well i watch people get well i can explain that they get well because they stopped doing the things that were making them sick they weren't juicing ice cream yeah. they just weren't so Ooh, ice cream juice might be good. No, I'm only kidding. So, 
it's already fiberless. <laughs> so we uh, we got into this thing, and then the word fasting started to to come around, and there and there were some famous people went on long juice fast, and so the the idea of this thing between between. 2010 this it, it started to proliferate a bit and then people said we, we have i think it's important even though there's barely time to step back to step back anyway and say why are people trying all this stuff and it's because the standard american diet can't work doesn't work won't work never worked will not work in the future there's no way to beat that game of, of eating what you want on a standard Western or standard American diet and maintaining your health or your weight. Like something's going to give way. As much as you want, you're going to gain weight. If you eat so little that you don't gain weight, you're going to be binging and going mentally, mentally crazy about food. You're going to go off the deep end. Uh, if you eat somewhere in the middle, somewhere, uh, you're still, you're causing disease with almost every bite. I mean, it's the, it's the least nutritious food. And I, I like to let people look, not just what they're doing today, but the road they're going down. Where does that road lead? You know, and the, and the road of eating refined, fractured, low nutrition or no nutrition foods leads to some terrible places, uh, basically heart disease, cancer, diabetes, none of which anybody particularly wants and most of which everybody has. So in an effort to control weight, a fantastic number of gimmicks have been tried. And it's, it's, it's very small efforts short-term efforts kind of like kind of like the dam is flooding spilling over the top and there's a tiny little crack somewhere down near the bottom and there's some kid with his finger in the dam trying to but it's still but there's oceans pouring over the top you know i mean it's really a stopgap measure that's not going to work but it got into people's minds and people started thinking about it and more, and they came up with the next thing, which is, again, a way to control weight. And that is, don't eat really late and don't eat really early. And in between, sleep. Now you have a longer window of not eating. And this is supposed to magically impart health on people because they are intermittently fasting. Now, intermittently fasting has got to be the worst name concept I've ever run across. Because basically all you have to do to intermittently fast is eat enough at lunch so that you're not hungry till dinner and then eat enough at dinner so you're not hungry till lunch. All you have to do is eat satiating food, satiating meals. How do we satiate? Well, your mom told you when you were little how to satiate yourself. 
she said, don't eat sweets in between meals. It'll spoil your appetite. We've learned this at every meal we've ever had, every restaurant we've ever gone to. You finish the meal, the waitress knows you're not satiated, the chef knows you're not satiated, and they go, would you like dessert? Because they had moms too, and their moms taught them that eating sweets will satiate you. So you... And I'm suggesting that we take that concept and blow it as big as it can possibly get and have sweets, sweet and juicy fruit for a meal. Make a meal of fruit completely like, wow, like baby yourself, nurture yourself, like, wow, pamper yourself, have a whole meal of the food that's best for us. There's nothing better on planet Earth for us, while at the same time, it's the most satiating of all foods. Your mom told you when you were little, and nothing's changed. Every restaurant, every meal, you've always had dessert to satiate. So this all makes sense until we come to intermittent fasting. Why is it called intermittent fasting? Well, because... In between the intermittent fasting is intermittent eating. Which is, okay, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel bad about the eating that comes in between the fasting, but I have studied enough fasting physiology to know what happens through every part of a fast. And what we call a fast today is not I stopped eating for four hours or I stopped eating for 16 hours. This is not a fast. A fast in today's world means a rest. I'm taking a rest. We know of four kinds we know of four kinds of rest. Better do that. Way. We know of four kinds of rest. There's physical rest, physiologic rest, emotional rest, and sensory rest. Physical rest. When you're not doing stuff, you're taking physical rest. Sitting is more restful than running. Walking is more restful than running. Sitting is more restful than walking. Laying down is more restful than sitting. When you really want to rest at the end of the day, you lay down. There's not a lot of people stand up to sleep. You lay down to sleep because it's as physically resting as you can get. There's also something called sensory rest. Are you comfortable? If it's too hot or too cold, you don't have sensory rest. If there's all kinds of noises outside, construction or horns or who knows what, and, it, and you find the noise irritating, that's not sensory rest. If, if what you smell, um, you know, smells like an airport bathroom, as opposed to somebody's rose garden, the rose garden's pretty restful and the bathroom smells are not. So sensory rest, 
uh, are you looking at a pretty scene when you look when you look out your window do you see across an open space is there water in the view we react human beings react really good when there's water in the view even if it's just a water feature could be a fountain for goodness sakes but as long as there's water in the view, we find that this is why dentists offices have fish tanks, because people respond well to seeing things, seeing water or things in water or through water. We like that feeling. We also don't like the claustrophobic jungle feeling. So we like to have a bit of an open view. If you have an open view and water, you've got something pretty spectacular going on as far as as far as our sensory rest is concerned not too hot not too cold not too horrible do you see green or do you see do you see um cityscapes you know cityscapes don't make our blood pressure go down but wooded scene you can just look at pictures of cityscapes and your blood pressure goes up look at pictures of the woods and your blood pressure goes down it's pretty amazing we also have what's called emotional rest. And emotional rest is what you're supposed to get in the hospital and other places. But in the hospital, the nurse says, don't worry, honey, I'll take care of that for you. Would you like another blanket? Do you need a pillow? Okay, maybe this is old time nursing and things have gotten a little more hectic, but in reality, nursing this is, this is a very giving profession where people put you at rest. The doctor says the same thing. He goes, I'm here to help you. We'll take care of this. You're going to be all right. This procedure works out well every single time. Whatever it might be, you're going to be fine. Hearing all that is important in terms of emotional rest. Otherwise, you're worried. And if you're, you know, so if you can participate in physical rest and sensory rest and emotional rest, you're getting well on board to getting into a state of rest that is so deep that it's deeper than any other state of rest known to man. How about that? That deep sense, that deep rest is magnified by physiologic rest. And physiologic rest means that we shut down the digestive tract, which takes most people 36 to about 72 hours. So if you don't eat, for most people, if you have if specific conditions, it can take longer. There's even a few where it can take less, but for most people, 36 to 72 hours, in order to shut down the digestive tract to the point where it's not finishing what it had already started. So to fast or to not eat for 12 or 16 or 18 hours in between meals cannot get you into that deep physiologic rest, which we think of as fasting. In fact, during those first 12 to 16 hours, your body is going through so many chemical changes 
as it starts to make the transition from a carbohydrate-based diet to a protein-based diet, and then quickly into a fat-based diet, meaning where do the calories come from, that your body's actually working harder during that time period than it is a few days later when you get into the fast. Understanding that your digestive system's taking a full 30% of your calories for the day. So we have to shut that down. And that doesn't happen during intermittent fasting. So it's it's neither fasting, it's barely intermittent, it's 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 not any of the things it proposes to be. So I'm talking about something else completely different. Where this leads us, all of this information leads us to why am I recommending fasting to athletes? And I'm recommending to fasting. I'm recommending fasting to athletes because it will help with their performance. That's what athletes care about. I've had people tell me they'll eat anything. They'll eat sawdust if it'll help with performance. I've had people say, I'll do anything. If you need me to hang by my neck for a month, I'll do it. If I could just run faster, you know, and I've honestly had people say stuff, not only those exact things, but things like that. And, and that's the focus of the athlete is they, they really catch the bug to perform better. And I understand full well. I mean, I've got that. So why, what happens in fasting, in true fasting, where we get into four stages of rest, physical, physiologic, sensory, and emotion where we get into the deepest state of rest known to man, recovery happens faster than any other known way. Imagine you were living a long, couple hundred thousand years ago. You're out in the woods and you're doing whatever you're doing, running around looking for berries. And you fall down and tumble and break both legs. You're going nowhere. Things like that happen in nature. It happens to the big cats when they're chasing prey. It happens to the prey animals when they're trying to get away. It happens to us. We have accidents. We have injuries. Nature's plan has to be designed in order to maximize our chance for recovery from those injuries. And you broke both legs. You're not going anywhere. You're going to lay down and wait. That's, that's how it's done. We recover faster when we just lay down and wait than any other way. And I've seen it happen with broken legs where people in their 70s and 80s healed from broken femurs in 20 days where the doctors were telling them it was going to take 80 days and they healed in 20 days while fasting. 
I've seen it happen in thousands of athletes with, with what were diagnosed as untreatable, incurable, hopeless, uh, nothing can be done situations. Watch them fast and recover. So we're not talking about fasting, intermittent fasting. We're talking about actually undergoing during the off season, a serious fast where somebody knowledgeable knows who knows how to guide you, who understands sport, who's been there before an experienced fasting supervisor who's qualified, has the medical knowledge to be able to say, you're not getting into any danger here. And I can explain to you how to make things even better. It's kind of like, kind of like all businessmen who want to do really well, use consultants mm -hmm. and all the athletes who want to do really well, use coaches and all the mountain climbers who want to get to the top of the mountain without having problems, use guides. You go through, you don't just hop in a 747 and say, I'm going to teach myself how to fly this baby. <laughs> okay. Fasting is something to be taken very seriously, even though like most things that humans do, most fasts are uneventful, safe, not that much to talk about. You can go two, three, four weeks and, and, and nothing bad's going to happen. But when it does get interesting and it can get interesting, this is when you need somebody there who can guide you, somebody experienced enough to know, is this dangerous? Is it not dangerous? Uh, is this going to work against you or not? How do I get out of this or that or the next situation? Because anything and everything can happen during a fast. Just like anything or everything can happen when you drive a car, most of the time you drive a car, it's pretty uneventful. Man, anything could happen. And often enough does happen that we all know people who've been in bad wrecks. We all probably been at least in minor ones. And, you know, at that point, you, you really start thanking your blessings that somebody else designed the car so that you wouldn't have spikes going through your chest when you got thrown forward or sideways or whatever it was. So in the case of fasting, you want you want a fasting supervisor. You want the fasting setting to be in a nice place, something where there's sensory rest, where it's beautiful and warm and comfortable and green. Maybe there's a view and even some water in sight. And then you've got the, you've got the makings for a really good fast. Because recovery happens faster during a fast than any other known physiologic human condition. So what happens when we fast? I can sum it in a sentence. All structures and all functions vector towards health when we fast. This is a big deal. I recently watched a a show about how to be an influencer. And the way one of the ways of how to be an influencer 
answer is to say things twice or even three times because people think it's really important, including me, if I say it two or three times. So all structures and all functions vector towards health when we fast. Who cares? Well, we care because in every case, the healthier athlete will outperform the equally talented, less healthy athlete. Always. That's how it works. I mean, there, there might be a moment here or there where that doesn't happen. But in the bigger scheme of things, go race against, you know, we just had NBA finals, right? Like the healthier team outperforms the less healthy team every single time. That's just how it is. And the healthier athlete outperforms. So all structures, all functions vector towards health when we fast. The fastest recovery known to man. Now, the interesting thing, I think, over for my life in the last 30 or 40 years was I used to work with the sickest of the sick. I've also worked with the healthiest of the healthy top performers in the world. And when the, when people in hospital wanted to recover and athletes wanted to recover, no one so far has started considering that those two words mean the same thing and that what we need to do in order to foster the recovery of either one of them is the same thing or are the same things. So if we look in the ICU of a hospital, what we see is they've got it down to a science. What do we need to do to help this person recover enough so that they can get out of the ICU and go to the hospital because their other option is the morgue. So the goal of every practitioner in the ICU is to get their patients into the hospital, just get them out of ICU. And the way they do that is, is through profoundly paying attention to detail of how hydrated, how much sugar, how much salt, how much water, how much, What's their temperature? Are you comfortable, dear? You know, they're making sure that they're they're monitoring everything on wall charts or on beep, 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 beep. It almost looks like Star Trek when you're inside the ICU of a hospital. And and they're monitoring everything. And if anything changes, you all of a sudden you're or beep, 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 beep. Something happens to catch the nurse's attention, like what they call stat. You got to do it now. Go run. Let's find out why is this person's blood pressure changed or why is this person's feed tube out or whatever it is. So they're putting people into as close to a steady state as they can and giving them everything they need to recover. All I'm doing is taking those exact same conditions and applying them to an athlete and saying, Hey, look, you're in the ICU. They don't get you out of bed to go do push-ups. They say rest. 
Don't worry about things, honey. I'll take care of that for you. Oh, you need to make a phone call. Let me go get the phone and bring it to you. Or whatever it is. The doctor's walking in saying, oh, you're doing very well, Mrs. Smith. You're coming right along. This is good. I like to see the progress that I'm seeing. The meds are working or whatever they say. They're constantly reinforcing. All right. Physical. Yeah, it's in a hospital. Uh, you don't always have a great view. They're not stacking every card. Oh, and when they feed you, they give you hospital food. And in spite of that, people get well. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> when it's time to eat, athletes need to eat fruits and vegetables. A lot of it. But when it's time to rest, you need to know how to get into deep states of rest. Fasting does not mean not eating and then being as active as you can. Fasting means deep state rest. So when we participate, I've taken athletes, my final thoughts on this, I've had athletes who ran the same race every year. And the best they ever did was between 22 to 23 hours mm. year in year out 22 23 hours did a fast 29 days water mm. only recovered from the fast appropriately went back out nine months later to do the annual run and did it in 16 hours that's a pretty good performance boost. That's that's nuts performance boost. And I've seen this happen again and again and again with athletes. Performance boost that's off the charts. So I'm going to put it out there. Some people will say, no, 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 that's really bad. And other people say, well, what about this, that, or the next? And I'm going to tell you that the physiology, the anatomy, the biology, the chemistry, the biochemistry, the neuroanatomy, that every single science we know supports this idea that we are designed to take deep rest on a fairly regular basis in order to be our best. So much so that nature even set it up this way, that there's some berries in the spring and then there's a proliferation of food in the summer. And then by autumn, food starts to get a little scarce, but you can store some of it through the winter. And by January or February, in a lot of parts of the world up until very recently, people ran out of food yeah. and they had to wait for three, six, sometimes nine weeks until food started coming back. Until you saw those first berries, until you saw the first rhubarb, the first vitamin C of the year, until they, until they started having radishes coming up out of the ground, you know, and the first lettuces and, and we finally started seeing food again. There's a, even in the tropics, there's a lean period. 
It's set up to be that way. It's to our advantage to be that way. It's healthier for us. It leads to better performance. If athletes want to really find out what they're capable of doing at some point, I recommend they set aside a block of time, undergo supervised water fasting with an experienced, trained, medically qualified supervisor who knows what they're doing and understands sport. And if anybody ever has any questions about any of that, I'm happy to engage them. They can email me. I answer my own email. Uh, they can go to my website and find out more. You can get in touch with Sarah and ask her about it. You wait and see. Sarah's going to end up fasting with me because she really wants this benefit. We'll see you. Uh, I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth, but we'll find out. We'll find out, you know, because so far I don't think I've I've uh, sent you down any dead end alleys, Sarah. Like it's been pretty spot on advice, right? And and your performance. I mean, I'm raving about you. You're breaking national records. You're you're coming to a point in your career where the only records left to break are your own. It's pretty exceptional. Very proud of you. Yeah. And and super happy for you. And that just saying that brings tears to my eyes. So uh, um, it's so cool that you're doing these open water swims and and uh, are you starting to go down too? Have you thought of that? Down? What do you mean down? Um, uh, one of the people I've coached is a woman who has a national record for depth. She went 60 oh. meters underwater on a breath of air. Wow. I did notice I had more lung, but I've also been adding like 20 minutes of breathing every single day. Like, so I started at five minutes. And that's like a meditation, right? You're clearing your thoughts. You're focused on the inhale, the exhale. Um, and I've been doing it in a row for 175 days now. And I am no, like Great my lungs streak. are like, yeah, like my lungs are like really feeling good. I have a lot of power. Like even today I noticed just spinning. Like I, all I have to do is just inhale, comfortably exhale, and I'm able to push, you know, even more. So it, it really does show like what you're sharing, like, when we give the body a break, when we really tune in and listen, because the body will say like, you know, I don't need food right now, or I do. But again, when you do like a complete reset, you will probably know your body even more than even these little breaks of, of um, you know, space in between. So from my end, um, I got to go. I got I got to be Perfect. somewhere. Yay, cool. It's a treat to spend time with you. I hope this opens up some food for thought. If there if there needs to be more discussion about it, we'll certainly have it. Um I know it's a little groundbreaking, but I like it. If you want to yeah. be your best, you got to do what it takes to be your best. And if you do what everybody else does, you're just going to be average. Yep, it's time for the next level. <laughs> Bless you all. I'm going to run. Thank you again, Sarah. Yes, thank you. We'll talk bye. to you soon. Yeah, bye. bye. bye.